Hello, and welcome to this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. I'm your host, Kelly Stroh, Associate Editor of Air Cargo World. I recently spoke with Kathy Roberson, President of Logistics Trends and Insight, and an Air Cargo World columnist, who, in this episode, reflects on this past year's noteworthy highlights, including digitalization efforts, 2021's acquisition market, and what shippers and freight forwarders might expect in 2022. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Kathy. I'm very excited to talk to you. Um, and it's been such a tumultuous year, to say the least. The industry's faced COVID-19 outbreaks at major airports, faced ongoing capacity struggles and numerous supply chain disruptions. However, there's also been a lot of great things that have happened. Uh, freight forwarders launching uncontrolled networks, lots of consolidation, digitalization efforts, and more. So I was curious what would you consider 2021's most noteworthy highlights and maybe what you found surprising? Oh, my goodness. So I think um, some of the highlights has really been about the whole uh, the supply chain pains, uh, particularly the the backups at the ports, uh, particularly from L.A. and Long Beach, because combined, those two represent upwards of 50 percent of all Asian imports into the country. And we've seen like a hundred ships backed up waiting to come in to unload. It's been it's been amazing, and and that trend's probably going to continue uh, into into the next year. Not necessarily a hundred ships backed up, but there's still going to be port congestion, um, and all of that. And and that's mostly due to the healthy retail spending. Uh, consumers are spending a lot of money. Uh, I think uh, retail sales are up like. 14% year over year, uh, year to date through November, if I remember correctly. And, um, and that's creating a lot of these backlogs and a supply chain is like a domino. You have congestion starting at the port or really at the manufacturer in Asia. Um, and it just starts trickling down all the way to the last mile. And, you know, we've got, um, um, shortages, well, I say shortages, congestion, uh, across the board from trucking, rail, uh, air, uh, warehouses are full to the brim. And then the last mile and the last mile has endured a lot of changes this year. Well, since the pandemic hit back in 2020. So it's, it's a lot of change, a lot of change. And then we've also seen a number of acquisitions, which have been, <laughs> Some of them have been rather eye-opening. Um, like, what? Uh, you see a lot of these ocean freight providers, Maersk, CMA, CGM, MSC, acquiring um, logistics providers, fulfillment providers uh, to create these end-to-end solutions for, for customers. So I mean, there's been a lot of changes this year, um, including the ones that you've, you've uh, noted in your intro. And it's going to continue into next year, I think. With all of that in consideration, what do you think we as an industry have learned from the past year? (laughs) I think one thing we probably have learned is that we need to learn how to mitigate risk a lot better (laughs) uh, across the board. Um, You know, it's it's interesting. Prior to uh, the pandemic, there's there's always been a lot of talk about managing risk in supply chains. 
uh, every time something happened, whether it was a hurricane or a volcano erupting that caused um, uh, unexpected delays or hits to the supply chain. You know, we saw the flurry of articles around that. And I don't think a lot of shippers took it, took these warnings to heart or near to the heart as they should have, perhaps. Uh, I mean, you can't solve um, a risk such as a hurricane or a pandemic, but you can mitigate as best as possible. And I think those that did um, already have, those that did have a, um, uh, a supply chain risk um, strategy in place prior to COVID, they came out slightly ahead of, of others. Um, and then you saw a, a number of shippers struggling to even try to figure out who their who some of their suppliers were uh, beyond those tier one suppliers and not knowing what to do uh, that they weren't as uh, they weren't proactive when they should have been. Instead, they were trying to uh, they were more reactive to what was occurring. Um, I think that's the biggest. And this has been such a strong year for acquisitions, especially for regions or in regions like Latin America, um, Africa, and the Asia Pacific region. So what do you expect to happen in the new year, especially considering, you know, the excess cash in the market, et cetera? Yeah, um, I, I think the acquisition market is going to be huge next year. And we saw a good bit of it this year, particularly, like I had said just a while ago, the ocean freight providers. Oh, my gosh, all of them are are making um, acquisitions. And a lot of it is to connect the entire supply chain so that you would stay within a Maersk supply chain from your manufacturer all the way to the last mile, really. That's the goal for for them, um, as well as with CMA, CGM, and NSC. Um, these in the, and it's simply because um, – as, as you know, the ocean freight providers have so much cash on their hands. Um, there's been such high demand for ocean freight services, and the rates have gone through the roof, upwards of 20000 per TEU all the way past 30000 40000 uh per TEU. It's been, um, it's been ridiculous, to be honest with you. Uh, but they got to unload some of this cash, and they are – uh, looking at really it's almost like a risk mitigation for them if you think about it. Um, so in times of bad, you know, when um, ocean freight services decline, they can rely, they'll be able to rely on their logistics services. Uh, most recently, in fact, I think it was what, yesterday, uh, Maersk acquired LF uh, mm-hmm. Logistics, the contract logistics arm of Lee and Fung. So they've acquired um, a beautiful network of warehousing in Asia. Uh, they've also acquired a couple of um, companies here in the U.S. in regards to e-commerce um, to fulfillment faci- uh, companies that also have warehousing space location. And um, they're just stringing them on. Um, CMA CGM is taking a similar approach, but in a different way. They've actually acquired airplanes. Uh, 
And they have an air arm, which I think is a really smart move because now they have both air and ocean. Um, Because folks, shippers will use them interchangeably, just depending on the rate and the timing that they need their items delivered. I think that's pretty smart. And I think you're going to see CMA, CGM, particularly through their SEVA subsidiary, uh, move more and more into the uh, further into the whole contract logistics space. Um, in fact, they did not too long ago with the Ingram. Uh, they acquired parts of Ingram Micro. But I think there'll be some more acquisitions in that area. And um, and also, what was it, MSC is making a bid on uh, Bolari. Is that how you print Bolari? Uh, African logistics arm, which is pretty cool as well. So I think um, next year you may see Maersk. And CMA, CGM match that with some acquisitions and some of these emerging markets, whether they're in Africa or Latin America, because both are growing. There's a lot of great opportunity in those locations. Um, you've also seen the freight forwarders get bigger. Uh, DSV, uh, picking up agility. Speaking of Africa, agility has always been very strong in the Africa and emer- other emerging market space. So that was a big, that was a smart move. And, um, you know, Kuninagle always picking up acquisitions as well. I think they picked up what, did they pick up Apex this year or was that last year? I can't remember. That was a recent one, but that was also a good one too because that also gave them that, um, that air freight for Apex is very strong in, in air freight. Forwarding. I mean, they do ocean as well, but they're also there. I think one of their greatest strengths is that air freight forwarding, particularly on the Trans-Pacific line. So they've got that as well. So next year, yeah, more, more. <laughs> <laughs> there will be more. And, and I really do think there's going to be surprises. Um, and, you know, everybody's up. It's, it's a toss up. Um, you know, C.H. Robinson has been uh, rumored to be an acquisition target for those um, uh, European uh, logistics providers wanting to move into the uh, U.S. space. Uh, I've heard Maersk linked to them. Uh, CMA, CGM has been linked to them, but nothing. I mean, that's just rumor. It's just rumor. Also, expediters has always been um on everybody's mind. Expeditors has been an amazing company um, ever since they were formed back in the, what, 80s, 1980s, or late 70s. They've grown um, organically. Uh, I mean, that is a true success story. And so the question has been, are they going to be acquired or are they going to be an acquirer? Um, who knows? Who knows? So, yeah, stay tuned for next year. <laughs> <laughs> And um, many industry operators have been ramping up digitalization efforts. So how do you think that digitalization has changed the air freight landscape uh, for better or for worse? Um, and do you think digitalization will continue to play a major role in driving the industry forward in the years to come? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, digitization is occurring across the board, no matter if you're an air carrier, ocean carrier, a retailer. I mean, this is, this is the way forward for a lot of them um, across all industries. And it's going to continue. Uh, just quite simply, it's easy to do business 
digitally. Um, and you're going to see a lot more of that. Um, it's just going to continue. And there's going to be more need for that visibility to, to be able to know where that package or that pallet is at any given time. And it's a journey to the final, lo- to its final location. Um, the, also the ability to, um, um, to take action on any type of event that may occur, such as, God forbid, an earthquake or some natural disaster and your, your uh, goods are stranded at sea or on an airplane somewhere and to be able to digitally you know, change that to um, uh, to another mode of transportation, or you know, send instructions that way, uh, all in real time. I think we'll see more of that. You know, managing your uh, transportation providers um, is also a growing area. So yeah, it's just a lot of investments are going to continue to uh, be made in this space. And it's great to see the air freight, uh, the air cargo market, um, um, embracing this trend. Um, so it's been a long time coming. Yeah, and especially considering all of the supply chain pains, as you mentioned, I think the transparency that exactly. technology exactly. brings is super important. So I'm excited to see how that continues. Oh, I agree. I agree. I, th- I think if it could all be connected and one happy platform, you know, where you can manage it all, even better. Um, well, as the COVID-19 pandemic continues, sadly, it <laughs> yes. remains very uncertain, volatile. Um, a lot of people are expecting some of the same next year, but also a lot of new things. Um, so what do you think borders should be looking out for as we go into 2022, especially with so much of available capacity being snapped up by the largest players, you know, kind of where does that leave the rest of the market? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think particularly for the small to medium sized shipper, they're, they're, they're looking for help really uh, to move their freight either inbound from Asia or elsewhere or to move the, uh, their freight um, as exports. And they're needing those supply chain partners. Uh, but they've, they've almost been kind of left behind because the larger shippers have been able to s- snap up space on airplanes, on ships, on trucks, and so on. Because they have the volume and they could command better rates because of this volume. Whereas the, the medium to, um, the small to medium sized shippers, they don't have that, um, the volume. And so just needing a freight forwarder, uh, one that could focus on this group would be fantastic. Um, I, I think that's something that is greatly needed. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on the small to medium sized shipper in the coming year. So, <clears throat> so that, um, COVID's not going away next year by any means. And, um, God forbid, we'll probably see another strain emerge. Uh, so, you know, that whole uncertainty is going to drive a lot of shippers to freight forwarders, you know, to help move their goods 
Um, because like you said, the capacity is going to continue to be tight next year, regardless of the mode of transportation. And, um, but business has to go on. Um, so, you know, that freight forwarder is in a good position to be able to help with, with, with the shippers. That makes sense. Well, I think that's a really great place as you end our discussion today. I really appreciate you taking time to chat with me today, Kathy. It's been such a pleasure. <laughs> As always. <laughs> no, thank you so much for asking me. It's always fun chatting with y'all. Thank you again to Kathy for joining me on this episode of On Air with Air Cargo World. And thank you to our listeners and to Air Cargo World's readers. Download and listen to this podcast and other episodes at aircargoworld.com and on iTunes and Spotify. Mm-hmm.